Here's a little bit from today's episode of Business Lunch. People think, oh, I, if I bring a million dollars to my bank's checking account, they're going to love me. Right. They actually don't. They right. don't want your money. They're right. trying to get money out. Right, right. So it's so funny how the relationship changes when you're borrowing money from the bank. Mm -hmm. They treat you totally different than when you're giving them money. How much more successful would you be if you had lunch once a week with insanely successful entrepreneurs who share their biggest secrets on how they think and achieve success? Grab your seat at the table, because this is Business Lunch with Roland Frazier and Ryan Dice. Hey, Ryan Dice here. You know, it's been a while since I've run the day-to-day -day for Digital Marketer, the company that Roland and I are partners in. Fortunately, we have a great team and great partners who help us with all that nitty-gritty stuff now. But the one thing that we focused on while I was there and the one thing the team still focuses on to this day is optimizing everything. I'm talking testing everything from the sales copy to the color of the checkout button. Testing like this can have a huge impact on your bottom line, but the truth is it takes a lot of time and a lot of resources. And half the time we were just throwing stuff against the wall just to kind of see what's stuck. But the good news is you don't have to figure everything out on your own anymore. And that's because our friends at Conversion Fanatics have optimized hundreds of sites in all types of industries from small startups to Fortune 500s. And now they can handle all your testing and optimization for you too. So if you feel stuck when it comes to optimizing your website, go and visit conversionfanatics.com and they'll give you a list of custom suggestions to optimize your site 100% free. Once again, you can find them at conversionfanatics.com. Hey everybody, Roland Frazier here with another episode of Business Lunch. And I am very excited to have only the second guest we've ever had in, in our home studio here, and it's TK Stratton. TK is, has a company called Canela Capital that does a lot of investing, and Chad Kirby was kind enough to connect us with each other, and you've done so many cool things. Um, so I just, uh, what I like to do is kind of start out by sharing with everybody kind of like what's your, what, where are you right now, and then talk a little bit about your entrepreneurial story and journey. Yeah. So what are you doing right now that is your primary focus? Our primary focus is buying multifamily property and doing value add. Okay. And and so what does value add mean? Let's, let's yeah. actually, let's say, so multifamily property, generally just any property that houses more than one or two people, or is it like over a certain number of units or? We try and go the, the bigger units, but we have small properties as well. Okay. But typically 16 is kind of our minimum. Okay. So right. we're either developing property, we're buying land and building some, but our primary focus is buying existing properties that maybe are a little bit undermanaged or need some repairs or some deferred maintenance and things like that. And okay. and it might be an owner who's just owned the property for a long time and he's right. getting income on it and he's doing fine. We like to find opportunities like that where we can increase the value. Okay. And we, we do what's called forcing equity by doing repairs, by remanaging it, by increasing rents. So what does forcing equity mean? Just forcing equity is increasing the value of the property through income. Okay. And so if you can give people a better place to live, mm -hmm. people want to pay more for that. Right. And so if they're willing to pay more for that, that increases the income of the property, which these properties are valued based on income they generate. It's okay. like a business. Okay. So we have home values that are valued basically on if it has tile, if it has nicer cabinets, 
this is valued totally differently. It's valued similar to what you teach mm -hmm. in, in business. Okay. You know, if we can increase the revenue and income that the business is generating, well, the business is worth more and apartments and, and multifamily living spaces are valued the same way. So how does somebody get into that? Cause like, how, how long have you been doing that? About two years. Okay. So relatively quickly. Yeah. Right. And, and I know when we met, it actually, since we met, we did a consultation and, uh, and you've done quite a bit since then. I think you said you had like $150 million in real estate. Yeah. Uh, roughly the last nine, 10 months since we met, we've done about $150 million in, in deals. And, and that's the neat thing is meeting with you, Roland. And, and I wish more people, I'm in hopes that through this and other things, more people will listen to how you teach oh, how to do these deals. It's totally possible. The banking is there. The debt is there for these deals and the deals are there. It's really asking and finding and going to lunches and meeting people. So like when you, you sold your company, which I want to talk about in a minute, but you, then you were kind of like, ah, what do I do now? Right. Yeah. And, and you're, you're like, well, I, I see that this is an opportunity. How did you get into it? You know, I, I, I take that back. So I've always started small. I owned single family rentals for a long period of time. About 10 years ago is when I started buying single family rentals. And uh, these were just homes that we would buy. And, and we ended up getting a portfolio of around 30 homes. Okay. And those were great just for the income. And we started just doing those. We were buying them for cash and not understanding how to use debt mm -hmm. and things like that. And so that was a good, good win. So we learned property. I've been in restoration and construction for a long period of time. So I was doing things for apartment complexes, repairs and things like that. And just started talking to people on how it works. And then when I started understanding the numbers... I realized this is something I can do or anyone can do okay. if they want to, okay. you know? And so I, I kind of fell into it and it's what I do. Now, in addition to the real estate stuff, you've also bought quite a few companies. I think you said you bought about $30 million worth of revenue. Is that? Yeah. The companies that we have uh, working on our own properties have, have earned about 30 million in, in upcoming revenue that we're doing. Okay, cool. And, and so you, how are you going about doing that, acquiring those companies? So using your, your tactics and your skills. So we just bought a, a company a little less than a year ago. I'll just give you an example that I had a friend who owned a specialty company and, and what we do, you know, and I had called him and just to say hi. And he mentioned, you know, he wanted to retire. He wanted to, to sell his company. So I said, Hey, you know, I might be interested, you know, and I used everything you, you yeah. teach. I, I brought him to lunch and we sat down and I said, Hey, you know, tell me about your company, you know, what it does and kind of what you're looking for. He told me, and he said, you know, I'd like to get a million dollars for my company. And the whole time I had Roland's voice rolling in my head. Okay. Let's ask him. Okay. So you're going to get a million dollars. What are you going to do with that money? That's right. the rolling question. You do you gonna, yep. What are you going to do with that money? When you get yeah. a big chunk of, uh, of, of this million dollars. And he said, you know, I own the building that the company operates out of. Okay. The company leases to it, but I still owe $200,000. Mm -hmm. I'd like to pay that building off. And I would like the company to continue leasing from me. So uh, totally reasonable. I, I would like that. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, okay, great. And the other 800,000 in his mind, he wanted to put in a bank account and he wanted to retire. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, well, cool. What if we could take that $200,000 payment for your building? And what if I could pay that off? Mm -hmm. If you take that full million dollars that right now, you're going to be taxed at, you know, roughly 25, 30%. Mm -hmm. So you're only going to be left with, let's say 700,000. Now, if I give you that money after you pay taxes, mm -hmm. you're going to take the 200, pay your building off. You're really only going to have 500 left in the bank. Right. And just explain that to him. 
And uh, I said, but what if I could pay your building off the 200,000 and then we work out a payment plan on the other 800,000 to you over a five-year period at 5% interest right. rather than no percent like interest. Five times what he's going to get at best. Even at more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and your payment every month would be about 15,000 a month, mm -hmm. you know, for the next five years. Right. And he's an older guy and and like that sounds pretty good. What he's looking at is just steady income. He right. wants something to retire on. He's like, wow, that that's incredible. Yeah, I'd totally do that. Nice. And so when you look at it from our point of view, we got control of a of a company that was doing about four and a half million in revenue for two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. You had a nice exit. Did you use your own cash and just pay that two hundred or did you finagle that in any way? So we finagled that a little so he had a lot of uh receivables okay. left in the company. Mm -hmm. And so we basically got a line of credit against the receivables and against the working capital that was in the company and, and basically use that to, to buy the company. Yeah, so money out of pocket deal. It was, it ended up being a no money. That's so cool. Yeah. It was, That's it awesome. was really cool. Now, just to explain that, I really feel like when you first started explaining this on how to buy companies with no money down, I thought, man, that doesn't sound like a good deal for a seller, mm -hmm. you know, are we finagling something? And I had a hard time getting that through my mind. The more I've played in, to doing this mm -hmm. and actually participating and, and doing a deal, I'm realizing this is a great deal for the seller. Mm -hmm. What what an amazing opportunity for him because he's not going to have the taxes and tax implications that he was going to yeah, have. It's very win-win. And he's got a steady income that he's actually getting 5% interest on his money coming so in. Less than one. Yeah. yeah. And so he's looking at this. A lot of these guys, they don't like the ups and down of, of business. It's scary. Mm -hmm. You have payroll, you have people that quit on you. You have sales that are up and down and revenues and, and you and your wife are stressed sometimes. It, this business is stressful. It just is. Mm -hmm. But he knows now he's got a steady stream of income. He's got a lease on his building mm -hmm. and that's a, that's a win-win. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at it that way, from a seller's point of view, it's a really good deal. Yeah. That's you know? right. We talked when, when we got together about one that was kind of fun. It was basically, I think it was the deal done one way was, um, four times the return at one twelfth, the investment or yeah, vice versa. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that because I think that's a cool <clears throat> example of something when people are looking at deals that they're not thinking about how are, what are the different ways that they can do it that would be. Super effective. Would you mind sharing anything yeah, about that one? Uh, totally. So we're, we're often so tied into, I don't, I can't do that. I don't have the money to do that, or I don't have the money to buy a uh, multifamily or a property or an investment or a business. And we think so small and, and myself included that I have to use my money and that's the only way I can afford it, right. or I can't afford it right. rather than thinking, how can I afford this? Right. Well, there's banking that can help you on all of these deals. Mm -hmm that will loan up to a certain percentage. Let's say it's 60% of the value of the business or, or whatever. So let's say it's a million dollar purchase. And if I could tie in a bank that would loan me 60% of that, now I only need 400,000. So now, do you cool. just go to your bank that you're banking at where your checking account is, or is there a different kind of bank or what's uh, for somebody's hearing this? They're like, I, I don't know. Us banks are scary. The, like, there's both. Okay. And that's why not every bank will do your deal. Mm -hmm. And, and, you have to believe in your deal enough to convince the right bank to do it. Right. There's probably in the last month I've met with 20 different financial institutions. Okay. You know, people want, they want to lend money. Right. It's that's their business. Right? It's their business. Yeah. They don't, people think, oh, I, if I bring a million dollars to my bank's checking account, 
checking account, they're going to love me. Right. They actually don't. They right. don't want your money. They're right. trying to get money out. Right, right. So it's so funny how the relationship changes when you're borrowing money from the bank. Mm -hmm. They treat you totally different than when you're giving them money. Much worse, right? Much worse than when I, <laughs> when I give them money, you know, I think, oh yeah, they're, they're going to think, oh, TK is a player, you know? Right. No, yeah. it's actually, it's opposite. Yeah. The more money I borrow from them, the more they love They do. Them. And they're, they're like, you know, hey, you've got a lot of money. We're going to give you to private banking. And then private banking is like, what can we loan you? you know? Totally, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the reason why we don't get uh, money for our deals is because we don't ask. Okay. And we don't believe in our deal or ourselves enough to go ask the bank. And so, sometimes the bank will, will tell you no. So that's one way. Okay. The other difference of that equity, let's say on a million dollar deal that I can get a bank. Okay. One, I get the bank to be willing for the 600. There's still the 400 in equity. Well, there are people and partners that want to partner with you mm -hmm. on these deals that will put up the 400,000 and maybe you give them either a, a portion of the deal as equity mm -hmm. or you give them a percentage of like a guaranteed rate of return. Guarantee rate of return. Right. So, and that de-risks yourself okay. because you're not, you talk a lot about wealth preservation. Mm -hmm. I remember I was talking to you about a particular development that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And it was a big development. It's uh, about a $75 million deal to build the developments about $50 million, you mm -hmm. know? And I talked about, man, I'd have to put, you know, 15 million into this deal. And you, you talked about, hey, TK, I'm all about wealth preservation. Mm -hmm. Let's not use your money. Right. So there's equity partners that will put up 90% of that even mm -hmm. or more. And so if I only have to put 1.5 million in, when we look at the return, you did the math with me and it was like a 12th of the risk and four times the percentage rate of return. And I, I had to sit down and I did the math. You did it in your head like that. And, and I was like, wow, it, it's a 12th of the risk and four times the percent of return. Which is bad. And, <laughs> yeah, way better. And it allows uh, me now that I can do what 15 of those exactly versus Which, so then you're diversifying your risk so when we talk about preservation of capital part of that is how do we reduce risk you still want to deploy the capital because right. you want to get the return but but we don't want to have all our eggs in one basket or too many eggs in one basket and this way you get significantly more baskets right to invest in and all of those will return and ultimately you'll make more money we figured out four times four right? times or yeah. more you know by the time because that capital partner you know, that you have for the equity partner, they're going to want something yep. for the deal or a portion of it or a return in some way. And this is all negotiable. Some of them want a, such a big chunk of the deal. It may not be worth your time. So you go ask for others. But I think we just uh, sometimes get scared to go ask a bank and, and we think that they're going to tell us no. And if they, if you walk in some knowing, will. <laughs> a lot of them, I get told no all the time. Right. You know, it's just uh, the, the thing I like about being told no is it's, I'm that much closer to it. Yes. Exactly. You know, cause uh, it's, it's all about numbers, but a lot of banks may tell you no. And it's usually the, the bank that you're banking with that won't do the deal. Yeah. So, so that, that I did want to drill down into that a little bit, because I think that's the thing that can really help people is so uh, somebody finds a deal and they want to take advantage of, of this kind of opportunity. And they talk to their bank and say, we loan me money. And the bank says, no, let's just say that they did that. Yeah. How do you find, you said you talked to like 20, how do you find the right ones? Like where, where do you go? Is there a list? Is there a directory? What, 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 what do you do? To yeah. Find that? Literally you can Google financial institutions. There are banking, uh, there's brokers, there's debt brokers okay. that have relationships with tons of banks. Okay. I recommend starting with those guys. Okay. Those guys get paid a commission based upon the, the loans that they get written for right. these different Just like financial a broker, right? Yeah. For a house. And they have relationships. So that's a good, good place to start. And okay. you can, you can Google these guys. They're, they're all over these, these banking brokers. Okay. Is that um, what you Google banking broker? Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah. Google banking broker. Okay. But these brokers 
will, if, if they like you and they like your deal, this is all a relationship. I think business is big about relationships. I'm yeah. big about relationships. Oh, yeah. And if it's a win-win for them and they believe that you're really going to do the deal, of course, they're going to try and find you the debt because that's how they're paid. Right. You okay. know? Okay, cool. That, I, I think that would be really helpful to people. Th that's one way. Others is there's a bank on every corner. Yep. And sometimes the best ones are the new banks that just came into town. Credit unions, I find, also are pretty... Credit unions. Yeah. They're all these financials. W when you see a new bank go into town, that's perfect. Yeah. Because... When you walk in, you might be the first customer right? they had. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't they want more eager there to they're so <laughs> eager to help you. So they may not take the, they don't want your checking account. Right. They want you to do a deal. Right. So if you come to them that, hey, I've got a business I want to buy, here's my plan, and this is where I plan on taking the business, and you come to them and, and you believe in it, you understand it, you know it, mm -hmm. they want to do the deal. And a lot of times um they they really fill out how much you believe in your deal mm -hmm. and believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. That's, that's probably one of the biggest indicators on if they're going to give you money. Mm -hmm. It's not just your financial sheet. It's not your deal. The deal makes a big, big difference for sure. But it's, can, do we believe in this person, right. guy or girl? Can they really pull this off? Right. Because they want a return on their money. They want to be sure that they're comforted, that they're going to get their money back plus a return. Right. That's awesome. Hey, Business Such listeners, we're going to get right back to the show. But Roland wanted me to invite you to a brand new training that he's doing on acquiring businesses with no money out of pocket. It's something that he's talked quite a bit about on the show, but he's doing a free training where he's going to walk through the entire process. So if you want to get access to that, go to businesslunchpodcast.com slash epic. That's businesslunchpodcast.com slash epic, and you can get signed up. Okay, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit because... You also did another fun thing that I think people would like to hear about, which is you built a company starting in your garage yeah, and sold it for a whole bunch of money, not long. Would you kind of talk a little bit about maybe not so much the building, but, but like the decision to sell and how that came about and then any takeaways or lessons that you got from going through the business exiting process? Yeah, totally. I started out when I was younger in construction. My dad owned a construction company and I worked for him. And as I got older, I decided I really wanted to go and build homes. So I worked for home builders and got started there. I really wanted to go build homes on my own. And the home builders I talked to, they said, hey, you should really get into the insurance restoration work. Mm -hmm. So I did. I just started out of my truck and I bought a house. I lived in Northern Arizona. I went to Phoenix and uh, bought a house shortly after I got married. I wasn't making any money. Uh, I was doing these odds and end jobs putting in baseboard for people, cabinets, mm -hmm. just literally myself taking all the phone calls. My wife was a, a pharmacy technician. She was making, I think, $12 an hour, and she was making more than me. Mm -hmm. And that's how we were living, you mm -hmm. know? I hired my first employee shortly after that, working out of our house and just kind of built it. Um, I ended up buying a, a company that was my first acquisition. It was a flooring company that I was subcontracting all of my flooring to mm -hmm. as a general contractor. And the guy wanted to retire and he had a building. We were growing out of my house and I had so many employees showing up at my house. It worked out good. Neighbors kind of unhappy with that. <laughs> it was right. They, they told the city on me and the city oh, was just kick, kicking me out. And they said, you can't run your business. So it worked out perfect. <laughs> I bought this flooring store and uh, shortly after the market 
crash, yep. you know, and that was rough, yeah. you know, going through that. But we worked through it. It was hard selling carpet to people that were losing their homes. That's okay. that's that's a hard sell. That is a hard sell, yeah. So I learned a lot about sales and working through that, but we worked through it and and it worked out and we had we did a lot of fire and water restoration. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was insurance work, mm -hmm. which helped us get through the downturn because there were still floods and fires happening to property. Right. So we built that up, grew it to about 80 employees, 85 employees. And I had a private equity company that was buying restoration companies throughout the, the nation approach me and they called me. I, I hadn't even been for sale really. And uh, they said they'd like to buy our business. And I said, okay, well, what, what would that look like? And they said, well, would you want to stay on? And I said, you know, if I'm going to sell it, no, I'd, I'd like to, right. I'm going to sell it. Right. And they said, okay, would well, you carry any money back? And I said, no, if, I, if I'm going to sell it, I'm going to sell it. asking good questions. <laughs> yeah. These are, these are great questions, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and what the multiples would look like. And, and listening to you, I had kind of understood, okay, what's a multiple, you know, and, right. and things like that. And what they came back with when I started doing the math ended up being a good deal. And, and I listened to some people, Damon, John, I think mm -hmm. well, he was one of them. He, he had a mentor tell him that when he was selling a business, he was really nervous about selling it. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, he wasn't sure if he wanted to do it. And the guy told him, look, if you feel like you can grow the business more than what it has, and you can create more value, you should keep the business. Right. right. If you think you've grown it to a certain point where it would be wise to sell, then you should sell it. And you got to take all emotion out of it. Yeah. I had a lot of, I, I think I didn't think I did, but I had some emotion in my company. I grew up for 18 years and it was what I felt like all I knew, right. you know? Right. And that's what was the hardest part is taking the emotion out of it and understanding this is an investment. This is what they're willing to give to me. This is where the market's at. I've grown it to here for me to grow it any further. This is what I would have to go through. Right. And I decided to take the money okay. and, and sell the company. And, and I, I'm grateful for it because it was a good decision. So was there anything in that process that was kind of a surprise to you or that, that you, um, would say that now knowing that either you would do differently or that even, uh, that helped tremendously to make the deal happen in a way that, that you were happy with? You know, we actually backed away from the deal okay. uh, as, as it went through they wanted to get into our working capital and different things. And so sometimes people will give you a number on the business yeah. and they'll tell you, yeah, we're going to give you this. Uh -huh. But then when they come down with really what the deal is, they want this much of your working capital. They want this much of your receivables. And so when you do those numbers and what they're taking out of the company, right. you're really only left with that Delta, right. you know? So we actually backed out because of it. Okay. Um, and that was kind of a heart wrenching thing. Cause I thought I had a deal. Right. And then when I knew I had to keep the company, that was kind of hard too, you know, but I, I kind of start thinking about what you're going to be doing after and all that. And that sounds pretty good, especially yeah. if there are problems in the company. Right. <laughs> and I've learned you shouldn't second guess yourself, right. you know, but you just got to move on with your decision. Well, they ended up calling back about two months later mm -hmm. and they says, Hey, what can we do to deal, do a deal? And I just explained to them where I was at, what they told me I was going to get and what, what I had in my, they said, okay, well, what's it going to take? And I gave them the number and, and they did it. So without revealing what the, what the numbers were, except the one that I'm going to ask you about, if you're, if you're comfortable sharing, sure. what was the difference in walking away then versus if you had, if, if they had followed their plan and you had kind of accepted what they were going to do versus you saying, you know what, I don't think so. And then they come back and you work out a deal. It was about three and a half million yeah. dollars in, in a difference. And, and to a lot of people, that might not be a lot to where I was. That was Pretty sure to anybody, <laughs> three and a half million dollars. Uh, they did it. They did a thing one time was like, 
most of us would not stop to pick up a penny, but we might stop to pick up a dollar or a $20. And it was like, yeah. well, what would that be for Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos? It was yeah, like, yeah, like something 400,000 or something yeah, like that. Yeah. It's like, even for those guys, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that every three and a half million helps. Yeah. It, yeah. That's a good, that's how you say it. every million helps. I right. had a always say that. Yeah. Right, right. Right. So then as far as kind of deciding what you were going to do, because you hadn't thought about this and obviously you've found, you've certainly found a great place to go, but how did you go about exploring that or thinking through, you know, Hey, I, I've, I had these people come kind of out of the blue mm-hmm. and then I thought I was going to sell it and then I wasn't, but then I did. What do I do? How, how did, how was that process? You know, I, I didn't want to retire. I, I knew that I, I wanted to keep think working. Retire? No, I don't, I don't <laughs> think I will. Yeah. I, I, I don't think retirement is a good thing for yeah, people. I agree. You know, everyone I've seen retire, it just, they, they just, waste away. they waste away, really even good. my family. And so I don't think it's uh, meant for us, yeah. you know? So I've always wanted to grow and I learned a lot from you in creating a monthly work reoccurring revenue. You talked about bolt on business. You talked about turning expenses into profits. I had always had in my mind, I wanted to create, I was working for all these customers and working for customers is hard. Homeowners and everything, you get unhappy people, you get uh, people threatening to sue you uh, for nonsense. Even if you made a mistake or you didn't make a mistake, you're settling money. You got tons of employees and, and a lot on your back to sell. So I thought, man, I'm watching all of these property owners that I'm working for. What if I could own those and create my own companies that work on my own property? Right. That, that's what I, I was thinking about when I was watching your stuff. That's great. Is how could I create my own revenue streams yeah. through having my own property so I don't have to work for all of these different customers. Right. And then I can be the customer and I can be the, right. the guy doing the, the work. The other person you can be mad and at And I get yourself. mad at myself. <laughs> yeah. Or sue myself, you know, <laughs> by what, you know, whatever. But through doing that, I started recognizing I could do a lot of that work myself because I had had the restoration background. And uh, I know properties. I know what's in the walls. I know the difference between a building built in 1960 versus 1998 right. and what I'm going to deal with. And so I, I started buying these properties and I decided to create a company that I could work on my own mm-hmm. properties. And that's where I could start creating my own revenue streams within my own companies and my properties. Now, we talked about something yesterday that I think you said it was Arthur Lipper that had uh, turned you on to it. You had a name for it. You R-T. called it. RFT rather than NFT, we're going to call RFT. Revenue flow through. Yeah. So we share a little bit about that because it it was, I thought it was pretty fascinating and it's something that, that I had heard somebody talk about. So I'd love to share it with everybody that's watching or listening. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got a a couple deals that that we're working on. So I have a contracting company that does the general contracting on our properties. And then I have an electrical and HVAC company, specialty company and a plumbing company. Mm -hmm that can do a lot of the work on our property. So for one example, we're just buying a, a small, this is a small develop, but this is a, a two acre parcel that we're going to put about 30 high end units. These are in Arcadia in, in uh, Phoenix, uh, okay. the Phoenix Scottsdale area. And to do this job, th- this, this little development will be worth about $21 million. Mm-hmm. So if you take this $21 million investment that we're going to have here, well, the build on that is about 14 million. Okay. So you have this $21 million investment. And the $21 million investment includes the 14 or doesn't? It includes the 14. Great. Okay. So if we take a look at this, th- this is where this gets magical, you know, is you have this $21 million investment, $14 million build. I could outsource that to another general contractor to have them come build it. Mm-hmm. Or if I have my own general contracting company, I can take that $14 million 
pay the general contracting company. Mm -hmm. Now I just created $14 million in revenue mm -hmm. for my own company. So this $21 million just became 35. Right. Then the general contracting company could outsource to another electrical company, another HVAC company, and another plumbing company. And let's say all of those end up being a, just rough numbers, a million dollars each. Mm -hmm. I could outsource that 3 million or I could keep it inside give the million to each one of those companies. Mm -hmm. And now I just created that revenue streams within those. So now that 21 just became 38. Right. And as much of that as you can create in house, mm -hmm. you start, it, it's just like magic, you know, so you have a revenue flow through and you have profit flow through as well. So you're making the money that you're going to make on the $21 million investment. Yeah. And you would have made that no matter what, even if you'd outsourced everything, but you have a kind of a nepotistic relationship with the companies within because they're yours. And so now the $14 million turns into whatever the profit margin is for that company. And the 3 million turns into whatever the profit margins are for those three companies. Yeah. So you're kind of vertically integrating your deal, flowing all the revenue through and each, each step along the way though, you're building value in those companies. You're not just generating that income, correct? but you're building assets because it, they're getting profits and each of those has its own multiple that it would sell at as well, right? Correct. Yeah. You have all this income. So you, you call it turning expenses into profits. Yeah. The, the expenses that the 21 million would, they could expense all that. Well, the general contractor could expense all of those subs yeah. or we recapture it. Yeah. And then you recapture all that revenue on a top line scale, yeah. but then you're also getting all the profits on that building value in the company. I actually, I think that I would call it expenses to assets there yeah. because really that's what you're, you're turning those expenses into assets within those companies. That's uh, so I'm going to see you've helped me get a new, <laughs> a new understanding to add to what we talked about. What you've taught is what you teach is amazing. And, and that's what I'm hoping through this is that I'm, I'm no one special. I've got a high school diploma. Uh -huh. And so I'm just saying it's possible, yeah. you know, and it's certainly not constrained by education. Like, it's not uh, at least know? formal education because you've educated yourself yourself. You have pursued education. I tell my wife that all the time as well. It's like, to me, it's got nothing to do with what degrees you have. It has to do with what you go out there and find. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. That's awesome. And then just not being scared, yeah. you know, just going out. How do you not be scared? Oh, we all get scared, mm -hmm. I, I get, but it's overcoming those fears and, and insecurities that I don't belong at this table right. sitting with these. Cause I'm, I'm not making offers on properties with, against some big companies. Well, how are you fearless in doing that? Or, or how do you deal with the, the, the scaredness or fear? You know, I'm finding the people all have the same emotions that we're going through. They have the same fears. They have the same insecurities that you may have yeah. going through. They're just like you. And I, it doesn't matter what position they're in. Uh -huh. They're people. Okay. And if we can just put ourselves on those same planes and overcome our fears, that's, I think the biggest setback to business and bigger things, setting our goals higher is letting our fears get in the way. Yeah. You know, oh, I agree. letting our so. fear of failure, fear of losing, fear of being embarrassed, fear of other people might, what they might say about you, what they might think about you, not letting any of those things bother you because there, there's, I get, I get told no a lot. I get embarrassed a lot, right, you know, right, just, right. Yeah, it's part of the deal. Like but, I'm embarrassed all the way to the bank. But if we look, yeah, totally. <laughs> but if we look at our successes, you know, uh, and this is even having this conversation is good for me yeah, because definitely for both of us. Yeah. That's so awesome. that, I think that's a big thing. Okay. So for everybody here, if they would like to find out uh, more about you or yeah. Yeah, email me. Great. That's TK at canellacapital.com. K-I-N-E-L-L-A capital.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. It's, uh, it's really cool stuff. 
You've been listening to Business Lunch with Roland Frazier. If you're enjoying the show, let us know by subscribing and leaving a review. And for more information, go to businesslunchpodcast.com. Thank you for listening. What if three days could change the course of your business in 2023? Get Scalable Live is where you'll gain great clarity on the next steps that will help you create the business, life, and wealth you deserve. Connect with business owners and entrepreneurs just like you, hungry for advice, proven strategies, and necessary connections to grow a business. Literally, million-dollar conversations are happening in the hallways, in the bathrooms, across tables. Get Scalable Live at Fairmont Austin, November 2nd through 4th. Tickets are on sale now at GetScalableLive.com.